Yo, what's up? Welcome back to volume two of Michael Talks in a Room by Himself. <clears throat> Tonight I'm going to be a little extra quiet because my wife is having girls night just about 40 feet away past the doorway. And by girls night, I mean <clears throat> watching shows that I don't want to watch or else I would be there. As much as I think that... Uh, the Bachelor could be a very addicting show to watch because of uh, the spectacle of it all. I refuse. I refuse to get pulled into that vortex of death. You can quote me on that. Welcome back to Conversation Therapy podcast, uh, where I have conversations with people that I think are fun. Right now, it's just me. <laughs> it's just me having a conversation with myself. I decided that. Uh, conversations with yourself are therapeutic and I don't think that's just a me thing I think that's a thing in general quick story about my day I was cooking dinner uh, for summer and I pulled some turkey sausage out of the fridge that apparently had been in there um, for 35 years because I opened it it smelled like death now I've never made turkey sausage before so I was like maybe this is just what it smells like so (laughs) So, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> so, like an idiot, I cooked this turkey sausage that smelled like a butt cheek. It smelled like a person who walked around Cedar Point all day, sweating down. All the sweat just pooled um, right in their butt crack, and it smelled like the seat after they stood up. That's what the this smelled like, and I cooked it. And the entire house proceeded to smell like just the worst. (laughs) So Summer got home and I was finishing that up and I had just thrown that away. And she said, why does it smell so bad? And I said, apparently I cooked a dead animal. Uh, So that happened. So I made the whole house smell bad before she was going to have these girls over to watch The Bachelor and assorted other shows. Um, but I was leaving, so I opened up all the doors and windows, and it's like, you know, 30 degrees out. Turned on all the fans, turned on, or lit a bunch of candles, and then I left to go help move some pews at the church, uh, which, which I currently attend. So I go there, and I get there. At the time when we were supposed to get there, 6.30 was the time that I was told to be there. And I get there, and I walk in the door. And everybody's standing there, and they say, Hey, we're done! And I can't just walk right back out the door, because then I look like the turd, even though they were the ones who said get there at 6.30, and it was done at 6.30. So I stand and listen to some bullcrap small talk for five minutes, and then I leave. At which point, I was like, first of all, I lit poop on fire in the house, and now it smells terrible before girls' night. I already feel bad about that. Now I'm going to do this, and I get there. Nobody's there. It's not the best night for me. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Kroger. Shout out Kroger. Uh, Terrible prices, but they have a liquor store. Uh, Shout out liquor. Um, So I went there, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to try to get some sweet bourbon. I've been looking for brown sugar bourbon. Nowhere near. So I got some bird dog peach flavored whiskey 
What's the difference between bourbon and whiskey? Don't ask me. I'm just trying to taste something sweet that's also alcohol because as an adult, you're supposed to stop drinking juice. Shout out adults. <sighs> so now I am about maybe three or four shots deep into a bottle of bird dog peach flavored whiskey. I took two shots to see if I like the flavor. Very sweet. It's just sugar and then you get an alcohol kick after. I poured a couple shots in a glass with some some nice little ugh. excuse me I'm burping with some ice and now I'm drinking that slowly. Ah, very sweet. Tastes like peach man. It's super sweet. I'm not sure if I like it because it's so sweet. I feel like, I don't know, maybe that's backwards because I love cream soda. Favorite soda and it's just sugar water. But I really enjoy cream soda. And maybe I just don't like how sweet peach this is. That being said, it's really tasty. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying it, but I'm also not enjoying it at the same time because I just wish that it was brown sugar bourbon. Anyways, uh, welcome back to Conversation Therapy. I'm Michael Lamp and I decided to do some of these by myself. Um because well i guess for multiple reasons i haven't really felt like reaching out to anybody else um seriously to come do this just because it's work and i didn't feel like it even though i really do want to get more people in here and do this because it's been the most fun ones have been the ones with um at least one other person probably the ones with two other people were the most fun uh, but there have been a lot of theological changes going on in my life a lot of deconstruction and remodeling of my faith and my worldview and all stuff like that and so i just wanted to talk about that and talk about some of the books that i've been reading um if you have anything going on in your life shoot me an email at conversationtherapycast at gmail.com that's conversationtherapycast at gmail.com i'd love to get prompts or just your reactions your responses or anything questions whatever you got i'd love to talk about it um Maybe you're like, I'd be a great guest for this show. Shoot me an email, and then we'll figure it out. So right now I'm working my way through Velvet Elvis, just the things that I have underlined in the book and circled and stuff like that. Um, so right now I'm on page 29. If you're reading along with me and you have another copy of the book that I also underlined, that's where we're at. I'm going to turn this background music down a little bit. Shout out Lo-Fi Hip Hop. Let me get a drink of this. Uh, just, you know when you're drinking a cup of something with ice in it and you don't have a straw? Why would you have a straw in whiskey? But you don't have a straw. Whatever it is. Maybe it's water. I hate that when you go to drink and you get an ice cube in your mouth and it's blocking all the water. You go to take a drink and you put your cup down and you're like, well, I can't go in straight in for another drink. I just took a drink, but I didn't get any dang water. Ice is the worst. <sighs> but my whiskey wasn't cooled down yet because I just got it from the store. So this ice is helping cool it down. Anyways, page 29. So I'm, I'm genuinely enjoying um, my worldview being challenged and my like theology being challenged i've been listening listening to a lot of peter rollins lately on different podcasts and he and one that i was listening to was talking about how nihilism or nihilism is kind of the first step in philosophy 
um, and how like every person who like starts looking at philosophy like immediately ends up at nihilism like this idea that like nothing matters and like almost a sense of existential like nothing in the world matters like we're just a tiny little part of this massive universe and even me myself like i'm a tiny little part of this and this hardly matters for me which is something that is you know it's very easy to come to that conclusion and he said instead of that being a ending point he said that's the starting point he said that's where nietzsche and so many of these other philosophers started they said everything is meaningless so what do we do now and so he like his catchphrase and the one that he's on a different podcast that he's on called the fundament fundamentalists uh, with elliot morgan and peter rollins they talk about um life before death instead of life after death and i like that idea and I guess that's kind of what I'm trying to do now is embracing the chaos and embracing the lack. You know, we nothing is perfect. Um, even if I achieve my dreams, those aren't going to make me happy. And so embracing the, you know, embracing the climb. Shout out. It's the climb. Anyways. This music is almost too chill, but I'm, I'm about it because I can't get amped because then they'll hear me in the other room. And I'm already a weirdo in here doing a podcast by myself in the other room drinking whiskey. Shout out this whiskey I'm about to drink. So sweet. This is dangerous. I could drink too much of this and get drunk tonight. Never been drunk before. I feel like it would take a lot. Closest I've ever been to being drunk was at a bachelor party. I had like... I don't know, maybe like four or five beers and like three shots. And I was definitely tipsy, but I wasn't like drunk. I still had like a full conversation with this dude about his job and everything and met the uh, groom's father. Met some other people I was with were very drunk. Shout out those people. I won't name them. Anyways, page 29 of Velvet Elvis by Rob Bell says, sometimes when people are backing up their points and the Bible is used to prove that they are right, everything within me says, there's no way that's what God meant by that verse. Several hundred years ago, people used Bible verses to defend their right to own slaves. <sighs> that's beefy, man. That's so intense to think that. <coughs> like, I guarantee that there's stuff that people are, like, using the Bible to prove now that, like, in a couple hundred years is going to be like, what the heck were they doing? Like, I don't know, I think I have this idea that I know better than, like, so many other people who have lived for so long what the Bible means by all these different things, but the reality is that, like, there have been incredible thinkers for a very long time in every generation, and, like, who am I to say that I know better, that I know better than who's going to come after me? Like, definitely we know better than those who have come before us in certain ways, and in certain ways we don't. It's, for me, as I think about it, it's less about, like, it's less about me being right, more about me recognizing that I'm wrong and I don't know, and there's so many things I don't know. Later on, I didn't underline anything to page 61, but here's where we're at. This says, the ultimate display of our respect for the sacred words of God is that we are willing to wade in the struggle with the text the good parts, the hard-to-understand parts, and the parts that we wish weren't there. Because when you wrestle with the text, you walk away limping. And some people have no limp. Because they haven't wrestled, but the ones limping have had an experience with the living God. 
Shout out Jacob Wrestling uh, with the angel, which is referenced there as well. Yes, I don't know. It's such a beautiful picture of wrestling with God. You know, I think it's something that like we say that we do, but it's only like when we're going through something hard. Like, like oh man, I'm really struggling because like so and so died or something happened or like for me when I drowned, like really wrestling with God. But like, there's something incredibly healthy to wrestling with God even in the good times. Like, God is so beyond understanding you know on the days that i believe that god is real which is most days god is still so far beyond what i know and so far beyond what i understand that for me to think like that i don't have to wrestle with this concept with this person with this being this entity that's completely other like i don't know I feel like I always try to put God in a box with the words that I use instead of just saying like he is I am he's like he's so much more than what I can understand and so wrestling with the Bible is healthy like this idea that I know exactly what the Bible is saying all these different ways and that's like so much of what Bible school is about I man it's just proof texting and figuring out what you believe about all this stuff is like man let's figure out what we don't know like we know so many things and sure i can memorize all those things but i wish i would have taken a class that was like let's talk about how much we don't know let's be honest with ourselves and with others like intellectually honest enough to say yeah i don't have any idea about a lot of these things and that's okay like that's more than okay that's life that's reality instead of saying like ask me any question and i can prove my point with theological and biblical evidence watch me exegete this passage so i can prove to you the all this bullcrap that nobody cares about like if you're exegeting a passage the only person you're talking to is other christians who also exegete passages like you're not talking to the person out there who's struggling to make ends meet and can't make rent because they're not at your white mid upper middle class church probably not a church at all because church for them is making enough money for their kids to eat you know church for them is the community people around them that loves them they're not going to go to your building because they can't walk there even if they can walk there that's taking time away from you know if they're working two jobs and they they can't afford to waste that time to take time away from resting or decompressing we act i don't know man we're so privileged in thinking like well, you should take the time out of here. I don't care what you house here have going on. Let's say you're working all that time. Like, you're going to just sleep instead of going to churches. Like, man, some people need sleep. So many people need sleep. They need time to decompress. To think that a person would give up time to improve their mental health, to go to this service that really is not doing what God wants that service to do anyway. That's some bull crap. That's not okay. Like, how dare you assume that that person isn't close with God just because they're not attending your fake made-up worship service when that is not even close to anything that happened in the Bible? <sighs> Fight me. Now, I speak so strongly. I need somebody on here to tell me to cool down <laughs> because I speak so 
incredibly strongly about things and i recognize that there's a lot of people who are probably angry at what i'm saying right now but to be completely honest like try to hear what i'm actually saying and try to recognize places where you maybe you are doing things that aren't helpful to other people um, but if you aren't willing to hear me through those things that i'm not saying to like quit going to church and to like screw all those people or all that i'm saying like let's take an honest hard look at what we do every week and what we ask others to do and let's see if that's something that is actually helpful or if that's something that is uh, more than anything else going to keep them from having a healthy life and part of that healthy life is jesus being in it and they can find jesus outside of your dang sunday morning worship service so shut up asking people to go to church man evangelism is about getting people to go to church about getting people to know jesus and a lot of times i find more jesus out on the street or in somebody's house or having dinner than i do at a worship service on sunday morning who getting beefy already and we're only 17 minutes in shout out girls night keeping me uh, from being able to just lay down and do nothing. I think I might start recording every day, which I know is an unrealistic goal. But even if it's like 10 minutes, I think it would be healthy for me to do something like this because I want to get better at podcasting. I want to be able to do more things like this. And so why not set goals, man? I'm going to record every day, maybe release every day moving forward. We'll see. It'll be an interesting time. Depends on how I'm feeling. Right now I'm feeling good. Tomorrow night to play volleyball. I don't know. I'm not committing to recording every day. And at this point I'm just rambling. But that being said. On to the next quote. We're on page 68 of Velvet Elvis. Says, because it isn't just concerts and surfing and the high points, and it isn't just those beautiful moments in the midst of the everyday and mundane, it's also in the tragic and the gut wrenching moments when we cannot escape the simple fact that there is way more going on around us than we realize. God is everywhere, man. I don't know why I underlined that, to be completely honest, now that I read it again, because there's no context. Let me get a reading around it. Yeah, just talking about how God is in everything. It's not just the highs and all this other stuff. Like, it's everywhere. The whole earth is full of the weight and significance of who God is. The prophets were deeply influenced by this understanding that the earth is drenched with the presence of God. Man, yeah. If I could recognize the presence of God in everything, I'd be so much more healthy. You know, the whole idea of God being everywhere. Like, I can't escape him. Instead of thinking that I can escape God. Ooh. And I'm maybe this peach is growing. I mean, maybe it's because it's a little watered down with ice. But it's just sugary peach drink with a little bit of alcohol in there. A lot of bit of alcohol. It's whiskey. Anyways. Page 72. People who don't know anything about God are able to do the right thing on a regular basis. Without having any instructions from God or the Bible, these people are still able from time to time to live as God created us to live. Oh. Oh, no. 
What? I forget if I talked about it last time, but like having a conversation with somebody saying that uh, a long argument, for lack of a better term, or debate about whether or not a person who hasn't accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior will be in heaven. Um, just because you haven't said that prayer doesn't mean that you're not living as Jesus wants you to live. And just because you haven't, you don't have that same framework that I have, this evangelical framework that was started by D.L. Moody anyway, like, because you don't have this idea of what it means to be a Christian doesn't mean that you won't be in heaven next to me one day. Shout out all my brothers and sisters doing the Lord's work, even though they don't recognize it. The philosopher Arthur Holmes is known for saying, all truth is God's truth. It's such a great statement because what other kind of truth could there be? So as a Christian, I am free to claim the good, the true, the holy, wherever and whenever I find it. I live with the understanding that truth is bigger than any religion and the world is God's and everything in it. Dude, that is a statement that I feel like is incredibly controversial to Christians and people in general. But like, as I read it again, like, heck yeah, like all truth is God's truth. There's only the truth that is God's. There is no other truth. And so to think that a person who's out there can't be serving God just because they don't know the truth the way that I do, that's some bull crap and that's not okay with me. Man, I need somebody else on here so they can argue with me because at this point it's just me talking to the echo chamber that is my head. Maybe I don't need, I don't know. I don't want to argue with people. I'm kind of done arguing with people. Like that whole conversation that I had talking about whether or not that person's going to be in heaven next to me, it wasn't for my edification or their edification. It was so, it was so that they could see whether or not they needed to be ministering to me <laughs> to draw me closer to Jesus, which is like, man, I am privileged to have some of the best biblical training in the world. Like I'm just lucky. Like I have more biblical training than almost anyone else than you know a huge percentage of the population because I went to four years of Bible school and even with all that I can come to a conclusion that's different than <laughs> the evangelical conclusion to think that Christian evangelicals have this figured out more than the rest of the world and the rest of history man that's so arrogant and that's so frustrating i'm not okay with it and i thought that way for so long man i just didn't recognize how much of a western mindset i had and i was so ethnocentric in that regard not of my ethnicity but of my belief what would that be theologocentric or something my theology was the best theology and if you have other theology you need to learn mine which is like no man like that's so far off um from how like who god actually is and how he, like we can't put him in a box like every time we figure out words to describe god like he breaks out of those and he's so much greater you know <sighs> that was a big drink probably just took half a shot that's okay though the goal isn't to bring everyone's work into the church. The goal is for the church to be these unique kinds of people who are transforming the places they live and work and play because they understand the whole earth is filled with the kavod of God, the glory of God, the presence of God. God isn't in one building. Doing things for God happens all the time everywhere. 
Man. The danger of labeling things Christian is that it can lead to our blindly consuming things we've been told are safe and acceptable. Man, like, I'm going to keep on reading there. When we turn off this discernment radar, dangerous things can happen. We have to test everything. Man, there's so much stuff out there that is healthy and, and okay for you to watch as a Christian that isn't within the evangelical ideas of what's okay, like pure flicks. <laughs> the worst thing ever. Man, Christian... Anytime you put Christian before something, that thing sucks. Christian music. Christian radio. Christian comedy. Christian movies. Like, man, it all sucks. Like, none of it is as good as other things. And so, I'm not okay with that. (laughs) Like, God is the best of everything. And so, for me to say that I have to be not as good as other things because... Well, you know, the secular world is going to have a monopoly on, you know, all of these things. You know, we just can't be as good as that because, no, like, I hope, I hope, well, not only I hope, I know that Christian filmmaking will never be as good as secular filmmaking. Man. I love this song, by the way. I'm listening to Chilled Cows uh, playlist. Yeah, man, there's there's godly stuff happening all over the world, whether or not I recognize it. Stuff that is inspired and part of God's plan. <sighs> Just looking for my next underline. Ooh, it's circled. Oh, he says, he says, the thought of the word church and the word marketing in the same sentence makes me sick. Ugh. Dude, shout out my friend Matt, who was basically coming to terms with that um, and recognizing that at the same time that I was. That, man, we have to, excuse me, marketing the church is so bad like we should never have to do that like if there are so many churches that you have to market yours so that people will show up at the door so that you can keep your doors open so that people can give their money so you can have a freaking building that's so frustrating to me man like take your building and shove it like let's let's be the church like church was never used to reference a building in the bible and so man i need to pull up pagan christianity this other book that i read it's so good man so freaking good but this idea of a church having to have a physical building is so unhealthy this idea of a church having to be a a 501c3 Having a governing board that's voted upon by the members and having a members voting is like, dude, how are we going to bend over to the requirements of the government and say that we're doing that because the Bible says so? Pull your head out from the sand, man. Like, the reason why we have we vote on elders and all this stuff is not because the Bible has anything to do with that. It's because the government tells us to. So I'm not okay with that. And marketing church is just 
a fancy way of saying uh, marketing that which doesn't exist in the Bible because a church building does not exist in the Bible. Shout out biblical education. Like literally every time the word church exists in the Bible, it's referencing a group of people to say that um, the word church was referencing a building in the Bible. Like if you said that to those people, they would be so confused. Man, somebody else's underlines are in here. But I don't care about their underlines. I care about mine. Shout out books that are cheaper because other people wrote in them. Man, I'm going through a lot of this. I'm nearly at the end of this book. I may have to pull out the next one. <sighs> which is Love Wins, which is the even more controversial one. <laughs> okay. Later on. Man, we're already page 158. The prophets had a way of talking about this restoration movement of gods. They spoke of God reclaiming the earth and restoring the world. They did not talk about people going somewhere else at the end of time. They talked about God coming here at the end of time. This idea of a renewal of all things. When, I don't know, this is part of the reason why I think evangelicals and uh, Republicans included in there don't give a crap about the world, like the physical earth in which we live, is because they're thinking, well, we're just going to leave. We're just going to go somewhere else at the end of time, and it doesn't matter. I can I can throw my cigarette butt on the ground. It doesn't matter. Like, okay, well, maybe not cigarettes. That's not really an evangelical Christian thing, but pollution and um, everything that comes from mega corporations and, uh, you know, capitalism which is not even like I don't think that capitalism in and of itself is necessarily bad I just think that at this point um, a billionaire I don't think can exist without taking advantage of people I know can't exist without taking advantage of people I don't think there's a billionaire alive today who has not taken advantage of other people in very unethical ways um, and that's I would argue anyone to challenge me on that. Like, if you are a billionaire, your money is off of the backs of people who are starving and who are, like, have no other options except to work for you. And who, you know, the whole idea of having suicide nets outside of factories, like in China, is like, that's horrific. Like, a person wants to kill themselves and you're like, they can't. Because you've stopped that because it was such a big issue with your workers wanting to kill themselves. Maybe we should spend the money not on the nets and instead on maybe on some better everything else. Anyways. The renewal of all things is an important concept that would help us to live in heaven now instead of living in heaven later. Well, not even live in heaven now instead of looking forward to being somewhere else later that we label as heaven. Even though it's not a biblical concept whatsoever. Come at me with your apocalyptic literature written to a church that was being persecuted. They understood, they being the early church, that people are rarely persuaded by arguments, but more often by experiences, living, breathing, flesh and blood experiences of the resurrection community. They saw it as their responsibility to put Jesus' message on display to the outside world. It was less about proving and more about inviting people to experience this community of Jesus' followers themselves. Come on! 
man, if, if people could see Jesus followers living uh, in such a way as to follow Jesus in the world today, oh. just that idea is exciting. Because, man, people, people in the, I'm, I feel like I'm just railing on the organized church. People in the organized church don't live as if they're a follower of Jesus. They live as if they're a follower of their pastor or a follower of their church or whatever movement they are involved in. It's not Christianity. It's not following Jesus. Like It's shades of the same in the same way that, you know, Donald Trump is a Christian, you know, like not really, but I guess, but no, definitely not. Why blame the dark for being dark? It is far more helpful to ask why the light isn't as bright as it could be. Christians, shout out to you not being light enough. Myself included, man. I live so much of my life in a way that is not perfect. And that's okay because I have Jesus. And the next quote is, The way of Jesus is a journey, not a destination. It's about the everyday man. It's not about the end when we will be with Jesus forever. It's it's about the everyday. It's refusing to escape and be numb and to check out of this broken and fractured world. So we are embracing the high demands of Jesus' call to be one of his disciples. We are honest about it. We want our friends to know up front that the costs are high, which is what is so appealing about Jesus. His vision for life takes everything that we have. Hmm. One of the most tragic things ever to happen to the gospel is the emergence of the message that Jesus takes us somewhere else if we believe in him. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that idea. If there's one thing that I could leave everyone with here, maybe it's just this idea that comes from, you know, C.S. Lewis, a great divorce and this belief about heaven and hell is that, man, we are either living in heaven now or hell now. Like, there's no in between. I've been doing this for 34 minutes and it feels like forever. Let me take this last swig of whiskey. <sighs> Shout out, Evan. Who told me that the way you're supposed to drink bourbon and whiskey is by breathing in and then you take your drink and then you breathe out. And it makes it taste much better. It really does. This just tastes like peach, man. It just tastes like peach syrup. Which is dangerous. Because I'm a little bit into it. But I don't even feel buzzed or anything. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't put this out. Because I'm drinking. No. I think drinking is fine, man. It's like drinking. Okay, maybe I should just pause and say this. I'm almost done, though. Let me just talk about drinking. Drinking in healthy ways is not even okay. I would encourage it. Maybe not. I don't know if I would encourage it. I think do it if you want to, and if you don't, don't. I wouldn't encourage it or discourage it. Like, I, me drinking this, like gives me a little bit of a fire in my chest and that's about it like mentally my faculties are all there um 
And so I think that if you're listening and you are like, man, I can't believe he's drinking. I can't believe he's drinking. It's like, man, like even when I'm a teacher, like I am perfectly fine with saying that me as an adult will have some drinks on the weekend and not for any other reason other than it tastes good and why not? You know, it's not that this is incredibly unhealthy for me, even though for some reason on the back of whiskey bottles, they don't have to tell you like all this stuff. Like it just has to say like, don't drink this if you're whatever, if you're pregnant and all this other stuff, like it doesn't have to tell you the nutrition facts, which is a little bit sad because I bet there's so much sugar in this one. (laughs) I bet there's so much, but even then it's like, I maybe had half a glass of this like compared to um, drinking a bottle of Coke or whatever else that has hundreds of calories in it. I guarantee this didn't have that many. I mean, maybe maybe it does, but like either way, that's not the point. The point is drinking in moderation is okay. And I don't think anyone can disagree with that. And if you've listened to 30 minutes of me rambling and you're still here, uh, first of all, why second of all congratulations and third of all you know send me an email conversation therapy cast at gmail.com if you disagree or if you agree or with your thoughts man even though i think that the conversation about christians drinking alcohol is one of the least stimulating conversations ever i hate that conversation it doesn't help anyone actually don't send me your emails why don't you shut up about it All right, so talking about the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. Um, What did this meal consist of? Hours of talking and sharing and enjoying each other's presence. Food is the basis of life. It comes from the earth and the earth is God's. In a Jewish home in Jesus' day, and even now, the table is seen as an altar. It's holy. Time spent around the table with each other is time spent with God. Man, if only we could see the lord's supper not as this moment of somber declaration and focusing on my sins but instead this celebration of who jesus was and is like it's not like as i look in the bible like i don't know don't take it lightly but like like bread and wine was every meal for them and so who am i to say that the lord's supper isn't every supper for me but i need to go through pagan christianity on this on this thing that's it i mean we're at the epilogue here and i have a couple things circled i'm also like you because i have a choice to become bitter cynical jaded and hard anybody can do that a lot have hatred is a powerful unifying force and there's a lot to be repulsed by or like you i can choose to reclaim my innocence we can choose to reclaim our innocence together we can insist that hope is real and that a group of people who love god and others really can change the world man what a beautiful sentiment in reality that no matter what i can choose to be jaded by understanding these things as much as i can who knows what the heck i even do understand or i can choose to spend every day living in the beautiful world that god has created man i choose to follow god and live within that joy um and live within that framework man but even then with that like it it always comes back to this questioning of god but even with that i'm like man it has there has to be something more 
like the chance for humans to exist and to evolve is so infinitesimally small and there has to be something more unifying all of this if you've made it this far get ready for a big switch philosophy um peter rollins was talking about how like in civilizations like why has no other civilization ever reached out to humans like aliens why have they never reached out to humans um and he was talking about how the um like with how many stars there are like there has to be another earth type world that would be inhabited and like a people who are whatever but his idea was that much like where we're at now he said there has to be other uh, there at some point if there was another civilization civilization and people who evolved or we have evolved now <laughs> that they either destroyed their world and ceased to exist as conscious beings uh, whether that's through climate change or through blowing each other up or whatever else like they stopped existing in a conscious form and so then for other civilizations imagine that another civilization evolved past that they're under this next level of consciousness, whatever that may be. Why would that civilization want to reach out to us, a civilization that still may blow itself up and destroy the world and all of us might end up dying? Imagine that. It's it's the same way in my mind of like, if I were looking at like at the zoo and I were watching mice run through a maze, and I didn't know if that mouse would ever be able to talk to me. Why would I reach out to the mouse who's still running through the maze if I don't know if it's ever going to get to the end when it, uh, you know, fully realizes everything? I'm not going to reach out to that mouse. I'm not going to try to help that mouse because I want that mouse to get to where I'm at now. Like, in the only way you can understand things is by going through them yourself. So, shout out to that um, random philosophical idea uh, brought on by Peter Rollins and... Um, I don't know, I put some other extra stuff in there that I was thinking as he was talking about it, this idea of civilizations that the reason we haven't heard from other ones is that they've blown themselves up. And then also I was thinking about another reason is because why would they want to talk to us because we suck. And on that bright note, I'm going to end this <laughs> this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I genuinely do appreciate anyone who listens to these. Uh, shout out me listening to this Um and anybody else who's listening, man, like, I love doing this, and I'm going to continue to do it as a creative outlet, and I'm happy that I do it, so thank you so much for listening, if you have any questions, comments, anything, email me at conversationtherapycast at gmail.com, and I will use your name or not use your name, depending on what you want me to do, um, and that's it, thanks so much for listening, I uh, appreciate you, have a wonderful day or night or whatever you're doing.